Welcome to the Maternity and Midwifery Hour, brought to you once a week by the Maternity and Midwifery Forum. This podcast is supported by Matflix, video streaming from maternity experts. All your CPD needs made easy. If you need to get your revalidation done or have a student project to complete, Matflix is the one-stop shop. Uh, welcome to the uh, Maternity and Midwifery Hour. Uh, my name's Neil Stewart. I'm not Sue McDonald, your usual host, who I would love to think is on a beach somewhere sipping uh, tequila, but I suspect that she's actually working her way through 20 chapters of the next edition of May's Midwifery that have to be in by the end of the month. So, uh, Sue, I hope one way or the other you're enjoying yourself. Tonight's episode was meant to be hosted by Dr. Jenny Hall, who curates all the Matflix box sets and uh, has been doing tremendous work with us in the Maternity and Midwifery Forum. Uh, but she's been struck down by the lurgy that seems to be going round and, and affecting quite a lot of people in the hospital as well. So uh, get better soon. So I'm Neil Stewart. I'm the overall editorial director at the Maternity and Midwifery Hour and at the Forum. And I'm going to try and take you through tonight with our uh, two guests, uh, Carla Avery, who's an Associate Professor for Midwifery at uh, Buckinghamshire, a new university, and it is a very new university, and uh, Sarah Milnes, who's a Midwifery Lecturer at the University of Leicester. And tonight we're going to be talking about uh, research into the student experience. And the past week or two, I think, has seen all the new bunches of students arriving. So before we start on all of that, uh, Carla, what's your moment of the week? What has brightened up? Okay. Your <laughs> Thank you for that Neil introduction. Um, I've been to the RCM conference this uh, this week, yesterday and today, and my moment of the week was absolutely uh, catching Sheena Byram and having that cuddle. She gives the most amazing cuddles and, uh, yeah, just catching up with everybody. Wow. To send her to the Conservative Conference, I think they do, etc. And uh, Sarah, what's your what's been your moment of the week? What's cheered you up? Uh, my little boy played his first um, competitive football match at the weekend, and he got man of the match. Oh, yeah. very good, very good. Very proud of <laughs> These are the things that are sent to cheer us up. Well, tonight we're going to take a look at uh, research into the student experience. Um, this is in the context of. You know, the uh, chief midwife, the chief nurse sending out letters formally worrying about retention in the profession. So we need to get as many students as possible to the end of their courses. Um, it's interesting, I think it was about 15 years ago, I did one of the first conferences on the student experience in universities. And of course, it's not something that's just one way. It's a two-way process. It's a, co-production between lecturers, the universities, and the students themselves. So we're looking forward to the presentations tonight. But before we do that, uh, I'm just going to give you some heads up on bits of uh, news of the week. Uh, Carla mentioned that it's been the Royal College of uh, Midwives Conference in Cardiff, uh, back to face-to-face, -face, which I think makes uh, lots of people very happy. And we are certainly very keen on it. Uh, nonetheless, hanging over all the professions are the various strike ballots, which are all starting, if not today, I think tomorrow with the nursing and uh, all through this month, people are going to be asked what their attitude is to the pay awards. And uh, I think there's going to be some quite big dilemmas on that. As I mentioned, uh, the chief midwifery officer and the chief nurse and others have been issuing letters uh, or clarifying what policies should be adopted about uh, midwifery continuity of carer. And in those institutions that are under staff shortages and stress, uh, it's been made clear that they don't have to press ahead with that until the staffing is right. But uh, in education, uh, the teaching of uh, midwifery continuity of care is to carry on. Um, but again, signs of stress. Um, there's a new Matflix box sets out this week. And of course, this is also uh, Black History Month. And I think there's been a heightened awareness over the past year 
about the difficulties uh, that are experienced by people of colour when they are going through childbirth, and particularly uh, the statistics that five times as many, though sometimes I think in some reports it's four times as many, are suffering. So we're going to be publishing various things through the Maternity Midwifery Hour this month on all of that. On November the 3rd, we've got a conference for midwifery educators called Education Under Pressure. Uh, all the problems that uh, education's having, recruiting staff, keeping them, trying to match what's available in the health service, trying to keep it a good uh, two-way street, and some of the difficulties that, uh, uh, and also the solutions that people have been finding. On the 9th of November, we've got the annual uh, Student uh, Midwifery Festival, which is all over the country. Over a thousand signed up last year. I know lots of people have uh, got their lecture theatres and uh, put in the orders for uh, cake. I don't think people are allowed to have Chardonnay until after five o'clock, um, but we're looking forward to all of that. And again, seven weeks into the new term, but also with lots of lessons for second, third, and we might hear from Sarah about fourth year students and some of their experiences. And that will be online and everywhere on the 9th of uh, November. So a big welcome to everybody. Uh, tonight's programme is about the student experience and research into it. And uh, our first speaker is Sarah Milnes, who's a midwifery lecturer at the University of uh, Leicester. She's been qualified since uh, 2006, but uh, she's recently uh, been working and completed her master's. Uh, and we're going to hear about some of the exploration that she's done of the personal experiences of uh, student midwives who have had babies themselves and perhaps some of the reflections uh, on how that impacts in their student experience. So, uh, Sarah, uh, the screen is yours. Thank you, Neil. Just going to check you can see that. That's lovely. Okay, thank you. So like Neil said, my name is Sarah Milnes. I'm a midwifery lecturer at the University of Leicester on our four-year undergraduate Master in Science, Midwifery with Leadership. And I'm here to tell you about um, a primary piece of research I did for my own Master's uh, in Advanced Midwifery Practice. So pregnancy and childbirth are life-changing experiences and a person who's been on that journey can remember with great clarity that experience. You tell anybody that you're a midwife and you immediately get all of their birth stories right the way through, regardless of the age of the person that's telling you, you know, they just they remember really, really well. And as humans, we have very clear memories of, of events of significant emotion. And I bet the majority of people of a certain age could say where they were when they heard about 9-11 or where they were when they heard about the London bombings. And the reason for this is uh, the amygdala. Uh, part of the brain that's associated with emotions uh, preferentially retains emotionally arousing experiences and influences the consolidation process and how we form them as memories. If the brain's exposed to threat, the amygdala will produce cortisol, send the brain into the fight or flight. And what the cortisol does is it suppresses the rational part of the brain, the hippocampus. When the threat subsided, and the hippocampus can then make sense of the situation and the situation can be stored as a normal memory. The amygdala can then access these stored um, emotions and it can alert the brain to any similar situations that might then cause further threat to um, the body or the brain. Um, the problem is traumatic events are stored as fragmented memories, sights and smells, things like that. And the amygdala uh, views these in black and white, safe or unsafe whereas the hippocampus can recognise these grey areas in between. However, the amygdala is what's activated first in the brain. So if it comes across something that's very similar, that it sees as a threat to the body, um, the body can have a sudden unpredictable panic if they're put in a triggering situation. So for the majority of people that experience any sort of trauma, uh, the anxiety and sad uh, sadness will subside when the trauma is no longer the focus of their lives. However, if the memory is not properly processed, the brain will remain in a fight or flight state, and that can result in a state of constant alert, avoidance, or uh, an unpredicted reaction in a certain situation. 
So it's estimated that 25% of women uh, experience birth trauma, and these are statistics prior to COVID, so we don't actually know the extent of it yet. Um, and 30% of these women go on to develop post-traumatic stress disorder, which is a condition where memories of trauma, they, they just don't fade. Um, and anything they experience, um, a similar emotion or a similar sensation uh, is associated with uh, and, can, and can cause flashbacks. 15% of people who experience post-traumatic stress, um, there can be a delay in these symptoms for months or even years. Um, so they may not know the effect that this trauma has actually had on them. And traumas, birth trauma is not always a dramatic event. It doesn't have to be an obstetric emergency or something that happened that was deemed very traumatic in the physical sense. What a lot of women report is that it's a lack of control, a lack of choice and a lack of compassionate care that actually contributed to their birth trauma. So why is this important and how does this relate to students? Well, the evidence suggests that mature student midwives, one of the catalysts for them starting their training and coming into midwifery is their own birth experience. And this can be positive or it can be negative. So in a positive sense, they want to come in and they want to emulate what they experience with the women that they're caring for. Or if it's negative, it might be that they don't want somebody to go through what they went through themselves and therefore they come into the midwifery training to stop that happening to other people. One of the issues is um, the first year is a complete focus on physiology. So we focus on, on universal care, on what people consider to be normal, how the body changes in pregnancy, um, how labour and birth should go. And due to placement capacity, we can't put all these students on a birth centre to experience those physiological births. A lot of them go to a labour ward. So they're very quickly exposed to um, additional care needs, they're quickly exposed to medicalisation of childbirth. And if these students have any unresolved trauma or they're not uh, you know, aware that the trauma was even there, that can potentially have an impact on them when they go into clinical practice. And that's what I wanted to find out. So I did a literature review um, and I couldn't really find any evidence that um, someone's personal birth experience affected the care that they provided. Um, but some of the secondary outcomes from some of the studies that I did come across um, there was a little bit of a focus on this, but there's no primary research that I'm aware of that has been done so far. So it was a small study because I had time restraints because I was doing a master's and I was doing it over, you know, over about eight months. And I took a hermeneutic phenomenological approach, um, approached students at a Midlands University who had either given birth vaginally or by cesarean section prior to commencing their midwifery training. And I used semi-structured interviews to explore their own experience and what they'd seen when they've been on placement and what they've seen in clinical practice and how both of those experiences made them feel. Um, Ten students agreed to participate and saturation was reached after six. The rest were scanned and, and the themes that were found you know, tended to be the same as, as the first ones. So the first theme that came out was quality of care. So um, all 10 students that were interviewed envisaged having a normal pregnancy, normal childbirth when they were pregnant with their first. Um, however, they reported that they had a lack of choice and control, which they then associated with negative experiences. Um, they did say that if the care was compassionate, though, they reported really positively. So if, if the, the healthcare providers were compassionate, although it wasn't the, the labour they thought that they were going to have. Um, they reflected positively on it. Um, some found that their negative experience had a big impact following birth. And a lot of them spoke emotionally about feelings of disappointment, failure and anxiety. Um, and they did realise that it's not the type of birth that they have, but the quality of care that was linked to the outcomes. Despite their experiences, they all reported that they still align to a, a physiological philosophy of birth, which is partly what brought them onto the course. However, like I said, the curriculum begins with universal care, and this isn't always what they then see when they go into practice. 
So the majority of students were really quite shocked at the complexity of care that they were seeing really early on in their midwifery programme. They expected to see care that was more aligned to the philosophy of the taught material in the classroom. They didn't expect such high levels of intervention. Um, they reflected that women's choice was less important when additional care is required. And actually, when women were transferred to delivery suites, they found that physiology was rarely promoted. The third theme I called the road to redemption. So initially, before they went out on their placement, four students were quite anxious about the labour wall placements. They were concerned that they were going to be put in a similar situation to what they'd experienced. They didn't know how it would affect them. However, whether a student had a positive or negative experience, um, when they found themselves in a situation to their own, so a, a room or a hospital or a person that might be looking after them, it brought back very clear and very, very vivid memories that were quite unexpected. One student was so traumatised that she had to go home. She didn't um, anticipate the impact of watching the cesarean section would have on her because the, the care the woman was getting was very similar to her own and she just about held it together to finish the operation and then she had to leave. Um, two students who had experienced uh, postpartum hemorrhages, so quite significant blood loss, reported that when they conducted a physiological third stage on placement, it made them really anxious. They just expected something to happen. They only kind of felt happy about it when the third stage was complete and, and the blood loss was minimal. Two students had reported accessing psychological support, which they found quite beneficial. So they went to a birth reflection or something similar. And not, interestingly, nine out of 10 students reported that they thought a debriefing exercise prior to going on their first placement would be really beneficial because it might help them disassociate their own feelings with what they're then going to see in clinical practice. Um, the multi-paris students who were interviewed said that their second birth was quite healing. They described it as redemptive, which is why I've gone with the road to redemption, um, because they educated themselves and they found out their choices and they came into that subsequent pregnancy feeling more in control. So despite their experiences, um, the students uh, remained that they were aligned to the uh, physiological philosophy of birth. However, because every single student had had an emotional response when they returned to a familiar place, and these reactions were varied, some were positive, some were negative, the important thing is they were all unexpected. So what we know about the unconscious mind is that it recognises patterns, and this can play a, a role in clinical decision-making. The ev evidence out there suggests that midwives keep negative experiences in mind, and it makes them practice defensively. It can alter the choices that they offer to women in their care. And I think in a subconscious way, from what I found out from talking to these students, that could perhaps happen as well. Um, because they have a very quick exposure to additional care, us as educators have a duty to support them. And we need to be considering ways that we can help them disassociate their own experience. So the recommendations to come out was students need a safe space and they need time to talk about their own experience and be able to step away from that. They come onto the course as a novice, as, as a mother, that's their experience. We need to help them through that journey to finish as an expert. So they're finishing as an expert that can walk away from their own experience and not impart that on other people and on the care that they're providing for women. Um, restorative sessions with a uh, professional midwifery advocate might be quite beneficial or a birth trauma specialist, again, prior to when they go on placement and also to link in when students see other women's trauma when they happen to be on placement. So when they get that vicarious trauma, they might need some more input with that. But the main thing is further research is needed to see how we as educators can support, can support students who are mothers, but also students that bring with them a preconceived idea of pregnancy and birth from what they may have seen on the TV and social media through other people. And I do really think that by providing this support, it might help attrition rates. I think we might be able to keep some of the students on the courses. So the first paper from um, this research it has been published in mid-years and it was out this month. And the second one is coming out in December if anybody wants to read the full papers. And thank you for having me. 
And I'll just finish on a quote, which I've actually put in my dissertation. I think it's quite powerful. So we are the sum total of our experiences. Those experiences, be they positive or negative, make us the person we are at any given point in our lives. And like a flowing river, those same experiences and those yet to come continue to influence and reshape the person we are and the person we become. None of us are the same as we were yesterday, nor will we be tomorrow. Thank you very much. <clears throat> Thank you very much, Sarah. That was uh, absolutely fascinating and, and raises a tremendous number of questions, which uh, we'll come back to. Um, I'll have the questions coming in to me online and uh, we'll sort of pick them. There'll be some comments as well, which we'll feed through uh, when we come to the discussion. But certainly I've got a few questions for you. When we've heard from uh, Carla Avery, now Carla <coughs> is Associate Professor for Midwifery at uh, Buckinghamshire New University. She started off in midwifery at Nottingham. She did postgraduates in teaching at Bedfordshire. She's got an MA in medical education. And uh, Carla, the screen is yours. Thank you very much, Neil, for that uh, lovely introduction. And just check everybody can see that. I think that's all good. Just shout if not. Uh, thank you very much. Oh. Yeah. Let's see your slide chair. Okay, one second. Apologies. Would help if I. The delights of uh, modern. Press the screen. Yeah, I was all ready. And then uh, there we go. There we go. That's it. Oh, right. good. You're okay. Off. Good, thank you, apologies. Okay, so yeah, thank you very much for this opportunity. And um, and actually my um, research was done about five years ago. And when I was um, preparing this conversation, I kind of sort of pulled out a presentation that I did about five years ago, I thought I need to kind of update that. But actually a lot of the things that came out in the research, I think are still really relevant today, even though our um, language has changed around supporting of, of students. So this study was conducted in 2017 um, when I was a senior lecturer at the University of Bedfordshire. So it is acknowledged that this was completed prior to the SSSA standards being implemented. And so some of the language is, is still mentor and mentee, but I haven't changed that because that's what it was at the time. And and uh, but, but it is to be acknowledged that this is still relevant for supervisors uh, as it was then um, for mentors. So this small scale study set out to answer three um, questions, really. Um, I wanted to know, firstly, what is the relationship between mentee and mentor? Uh, what are the challenges and opportunities of mentorship? And also what are the students' perceptions of mentorship and, and what value do they place on it? So it was to gain um, a better understanding of the lived experience of final year midwifery students' practice-based learning in order to facilitate further support um, for learning and, and, and establish whether we needed to make any changes to the current mentorship model that we had. So I used a hermeneutics method, methodological approach um, and interviewed um, the students as well. So the, the background to it was that, you know, practice-based learning and mentorship was is absolutely paramount to the development of future midwives. And along with professional bodies such as the NMC, the HEIs have got a duty to provide that support for mentors as well as mentees in practice and to be able to make sure that that learning environment and that, that relationship is as, as positive as it can be and as effective as it can be for for not only the student, but also for, for that midwife mentor. So through this research, the new meaning of this phenomenon was analysed and understood to gain insight into what is, it was really like to be a student midwife at that time. Um, and it was really to try and gather their really kind of thoughts and feelings as to what that relationship looked like, relationship meant to them. So how did I do it? So ethical approval was sought um, by Masters in Medical Education. Um, and following purposive sampling, I used semi-structured interviews to gather data from 10 student midwives, uh, three of which I started off doing um, a pilot study at the beginning just to kind of make sure that things you know, were working and didn't need to change anything. And actually, I didn't change anything after the pilot study, continued into the main study and actually um, worked really well. So the interviews were audio taped, 
consent obtained, which was then transcribed and analysed by myself uh, using interpretive phenomenological data analysis to form those themes that, that were created. So it was 100% recognised that actually there were limitations. Um, I needed to acknowledge that the researcher was an insider researcher and that coercion and power as their lecturer could have had implications for non-participation and data collection. Um, so that's, that was, uh, you know, acknowledged. And it, because it was a small scale study and as it was phenomenological in nature, findings could have been difficult potentially to generalise in the wider sense. Although I think even these years on, I, I still think that this is as relevant today for that student relationship as it as it was then. So I think it is as, as important, but recognising that at the time that, again, very similar to Sarah's research, doing your master's, you're under a bit of time limitations and stuff. And so actually that was that was the, re the recognition. So themes that came from um, the data, um, some of them I, were not a surprise. Some of them were, you know, a bit of a shock, um, but actually, it was the the way that they kind of came out as well. There was um, some there was some tears, there was some traumas from some of the experiences that students had had, and those are things that you know, as that research of being part of that that data collection actually will never leave me. And actually, still now to this day, I talk about some of those experiences that those students experience when I'm talking to to midwives. So the, so the first one that came out was the establishment of that relationship and the bonding with the mentor. So what I've got is some uh, excerpts from the actual transcripts. So these are actually students' quotes. So this is exactly what they said verbatim. So it felt like it was almost personal, like she didn't like me and didn't think I'd ever be any good. That's how it felt. I've grown and I think that it's definitely to do with the experiences and like the connections that have been built with mentors. So this was about sort of how they began that relationship, how important that first step was to be able to develop that relationship with their mentor and the importance of that, but also when it wasn't going right and how it, it kind of felt like it wasn't professional anymore. And actually she felt like it was personal and actually she, the person just didn't like her. And that no matter what she did, that wasn't going to make any difference. So that was quite a quite a strong, um, quite a strong thing that came across from that participant. The second one was about the strength and quality of that relationship. So once that relationship was um, sort of built, how that kind of got, got going, um, this was a positive um, relationship. So this was um, a, a student that felt um, that she had a really good relationship. And she said, it sounds really silly to say, but she had my back. And actually that feeling of that, that midwife having her back throughout her journey was was quite powerful um this student was but i do think a good relationship with a mentor does help your practice and really does help your learning so they really valued the strength of that relationship and actually could see the real importance of making sure that that relationship had had good quality relationship and that it was um you know it, it was worth holding on to um, this one again, a lovely, a lovely um, experience that this student had in practice. I don't know, just really lovely people. They were lovely to the women, really just kind and compassionate. And those words were really quite strong. Um, you know that that feeling that the the mentor, the relationship with the mentor was really good because she was kind and compassionate to women, and that that's really quite powerful as well. There was a really um, interesting theme that came out, which which I kind of titled in the moment because it, it was there was a real uh, sense of metaphors being used. There was some students that had to really feel they had to try and describe how they felt at that point in that time. And actually, some of them used really articulate language and some of them just couldn't get that feeling out and actually used different different language. So this one, it felt I felt. I felt like things were running out of my, like uh, like sand slipping through your fingers, kind of. I can't get to grips with what's going on. This student really struggled to articulate how she felt when she felt out of control with one of the relationships with her mentors and how she felt like she it was all just literally. And that metaphor was real lived experience of what she felt at that moment in time. 
So this was about a student who was in theatre and the, the midwife just said, was like, like maybe screaming at me. So student, write this. She said my name. The student, write this, write this. What are you doing? Doing that. Why are you doing that? Do this. Why are you doing that? And was a real kind of, um, she felt very shouted at, very out of control and very, um, couldn't even get her name couldn't even get her name and actually that was quite powerful and that that generated quite a lot of trauma for that student because the midwife didn't even know her name and this one as well was quite strong um the mid the student feeling really stupid I've never ever felt so stupid and this was a mature student who had had a career before but she'd been felt she'd been made to feel in that particular moment so stupid that nothing that she did was ever going to be right uh, this one was about a positive aspect where a student had had a really poor experience with a mentor and then this next mentor was kind of a saviour. So, yeah, she really sort of picked me up. And I think if everyone could teach like her, it would be beneficial. So there was some real contrast in 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 how they um, experienced experiences. Um, another really big, strong thing was mentors ways. And I think this is really still quite powerful um, to this day. And this is something that I in in updates that I do to the university, uh, to the trust that we link with about supporting students. It was about mentors ways. So this was about how students felt like they really had to practice the same as that midwife. Absolutely. Exactly the same. This student said so she would say, why didn't you do this? You know, this is the way I do it. And it really kind of made me feel useless, really, in a way that I wasn't good enough. Um. You're having to adapt yourself to fit whoever your mentor is and how they work, which can be quite difficult when you're trying to find yourself as your own midwife and the way you try to do things. But you've also then got somebody who does it different and they're your assessor. So you have to mould to fit them. It can be quite draining sometimes. There was a real strong sense that if they didn't follow on the way that their mentor wanted things done, that it was going to affect their assessment. A really huge, huge part of the, the findings. And future as a mentor was another theme. Um, and interestingly, this student sort of said, you know, I don't want to be that, that one, that mentor that's spoken about like, oh, she's horrible. You're going to have a horrible time with her. I want them to come to work and be excited and ready to learn and feel comfortable. And there was a real sense of that, you know, students were going into practice and already they'd got this sense of who these mentors were because of the students would talk and say, oh, God, no, that mentor's awful. I had an awful time with that mentor. And trying to unpick that and, you know, make sure that actually students need to see that each mentor is going to bring something different. And actually one student may not have a really great time with a particular midwife, but actually another student would. And this this one was kind of I hope in the future I will be able to look back at the mentors I feel have helped me grow and sort of develop into the midwife that they want to be. The feelings of the mentee, so the feelings of the student. Um, I mean, this this was really positive and this this student was really kind of, you know, well done, you did really well, that's fine. Even the woman said, wow, you're amazing. And she really felt quite strongly that when the women told her how good she was, that had such an impact and made such a difference to how she felt about what she was doing. Um, this one was quite strong again. Um, this one was not very nice. It feels almost like reverting kind of like to a child being told that you're not going to do this. And yeah, it makes you feel quite small and unable to do things. This student was told she wasn't going to get there um, by a midwife because she wasn't good enough. So confidence was a big one. Um, but this was quite positive because she said, yeah, like a safety net. And I have been really lucky because I've had a couple of really, really fantastic mentors who made me feel really safe and safe to become more independent. Like, but it's all about confidence and the feeling comfortable and people practice best when they feel confident and comfortable. Um, this one, there was a real sense of um, the journey of that student and the things that they had to go through to get to where they want. This next extract is from a student that felt like she had one midwife um, who was like, um, who, who she had a real challenge with with her relationship. And it was like a little devil on her shoulder. And then she had another midwife who she worked with, who was like a little angel on the other shoulder. And it was like he was flipped off my shoulder. And, you know, she was like a little angel almost. She changed it. She changed the way I felt. And this other midwife had completely picked this student up 
after she'd had a, such an experience that she was giving up, she wasn't going to continue. She did continue. I know this will be a journey that will carry on past the end of the course. It's about building my confidence and I can't do that again. So lots of kind of journey things. Um, there was another one about peers um, and about that's what I mean about the subjectivity. You have two different people that work with the same mentor and have completely different experiences. Um, grades, grade inflation, you know, and also talking about how students would compare each other and how they would compare, oh, well, I only got a C and you think I'm not as good as her. And then they start talking about what they've achieved and it's just that checklist and she felt really rubbish because of her peers. So research found that overall student midwives were so happy with the practice-based learning and mentorship that they experienced and placed a lot of value on the relationship, being able to feel comfortable to question and push themselves and overall was really quite positive. Um, they wanted to get along with their mentor and felt that this was crucial to the success of their relationship and their experience. Um, Students describe feeling vulnerable and unsafe if there was no mutual trust and respect between the mentor and the mentee. So that mutual respect, that mutual trust had a huge impact on how safe that student felt. And I think that is still as relevant today as it was then. Uh, the journey that they'd undergone, some mentors impacted it greatly, most positively, but there were some negative ones in some cases. Uh, challenges were evident for the mentor relationship when students felt they had to mould to a mentor's ways, regardless of whether it was evidence-based or not. Students had challenges if they felt they couldn't look at practice and question whether it was evidence-based. They still had to do things in a particular way. Uh, students felt that some mentors were more receptive to students' challenging practice than, than others. I think, that, again, that's very similar. And I think findings were still sim you know, similar to other studies at, at the time, but this study demonstrated that student midwives in particular required a mentorship relationship on a more personal level. Um, I'm conscious of time, but just very quickly, how can we make a difference? And I think we have to say that actually as supervisors now, they have such a powerful role to play and students, whilst overall demonstrated positive supervision, some relationships, relationships and experiences had a detrimental impact on them. And that if that has a detrimental impact on uh, their experience, that's going to affect our retention on our courses. So absolutely crucial, get it right. A sense of managing and coping and getting through it was evident to the researcher, which, which from experience wasn't a new concept, but it was that challenges, you know, practice is still challenging. It's still challenging now and there's a lot more pressure. And so actually ensuring that that relationship is, is, is nurtured and safeguarded is absolutely crucial. So what now? Has SSA changed anything? I think that, um, you know, we've got to look at how... How has SSA changed anything? Has it made any differences? So is there a way of us having to look at this again and see what, what has changed? But overall, I want I want midwives to, to, to reflect and just, just slow down and think about the impact that they have on students, whether that's good or bad, and be kind to each other. You know, whatever healthcare practitioner you are, things, things can be challenging, but it, being kind to each other ensures that we're nurturing that relationship that's so important. But also thanking, thanking everybody, thanking the midwives for their tirelessly endless support of student midwives because you're doing such an amazing job. And one of the themes actually from this weekend, uh, this few days, was actually to remind ourselves and remind each other that we are awesome and you are awesome. And actually, we need to keep reminding each other and students of that. So thank you. OK, Carla, thank you uh, very much for that. Um, an extraordinary amount of ground and I have to say um, familiar to lots of people who uh, work closely in maternity and midwifery but I think if I was sitting here with a couple of uh, commentators or select committee members sitting on my shoulder uh, some of them would have been quite disturbed and confused uh, by what they're hearing and uh, especially at a time when you know, we need almost every student midwife we can to get through. Um, I've got some comments and things uh, which I'll come to in a minute. But first of all, Sarah, can I start off by asking you, I mean, you just put in there at the beginning uh, that, you know, 25% of mothers 
had uh, experienced some kind of birth trauma and that up to 30 percent uh, experience some kind of PTSD afterwards. These figures are not widely understood. Most people in the public, uh, and I wouldn't be surprised if many students coming into midwifery think about the mortality statistics, which are very, very low. Whereas these numbers are quite large and seem to be reflected in some of the experiences that your students had. Um, do students come in with unrealistic expectations, even if they've had a birth experience themselves, thinking that their own experience might have been exceptional rather than 25% or 30%? Yeah, some, some students come in and they've had a really good birth. And like I said, it, they therefore want to emulate that and, and make sure other women have a similar experience to what they had. Um, I think nowadays everybody has a bit of an unrealistic idea of birth because it's not common anymore. Years ago, you used to witness birth all the time. You probably see your mum having children, or your friends having children, or your neighbour or someone in the community, you'd be exposed to childbirth. We've lost those communities and, and often now, the only experience is, is things they see on social media or things they see on the TV, like unrealistic television programmes, or they get horror stories because, let's face it, positive birth stories are rarely shared. So they just hear all these negative things. So they actually get, a lot of women get a vicarious um, fear through other people. And actually the fear of birth in itself is, is quite a significant uh, statistic as well. And uh, you also mentioned that... Uh a number of your students reported that when they actually went into the clinical environment uh, they found that the what what they were seeing in the medicalization didn't match what they were being taught from if you like the research and lessons from the lancet report uh, how much of a shock is that sort of disjoint between what they see and what they've been taught that must be a difficult moment for a lot of them it is and they often come back and say that you know they were they didn't know anything about how to deal with an emergency they didn't know how to deal with a forceps or emergency cesarean section but we can't teach them everything in the first year we have to start with the fundamental basics of anatomy and physiology and we have to build on that as a spiral curriculum so you can't go in there and, and suddenly do all the additional care because you can't manage the additional care if you don't understand the anatomy and physiology I think in an ideal world their first labor ward placement would be on a birth center um, or with a home birth team, but we just don't have the placement capacity to, to facilitate that. So they have to go to labour ward and unfortunately they will be exposed. You know, women are coming into the system now, they're really complex, you know, they're living to an age where they can have children with conditions where they would have died years ago. You know, medical science has afforded them a chance to have a baby and, and that, that is what they're seeing. But we can't prepare them for it in the first year because it would be otherwise why, why have we got a three four year course <laughs> are you able to prepare them for the prospect of a shock i mean other other professions try and imagine uh you know in the psychology of the military they have to think about when people finally experience the shock and whether they can operate as a team uh, and other areas like that is there anything that you can say to them or uh, try and make more realistic expectations of what they're likely to see? Well, we prepare as much as we can, and we do say that a lot of women have additional needs, but there is a universal care that goes through midwifery that can be given to everybody. So you can still promote physiology in a in a woman who has additional care needs by things like dimming the lights or encouraging mobility or a telemetry CTG or something. And we tell them to kind of focus on that and focus on the good things they can do out of that situation. And they don't need to know everything. And sometimes just observing those situations is a really good experience and exposure for them. What we do do as personal tutors on our course, we go out and see them in clinical practice at least once. So we check in on them, we make sure they're okay, we speak to their um, practice supervisors. And we do um, every week, one of my colleagues has started a meet at midday. So every Wednesday we do a big teams meeting and all the students when they're on placement can come in and they can have a chat. And if they had a bad experience, there's a, a midwifery educator there to go through it with them. And off the top of your head, you don't know or have a figure for how many uh, student midwives as a percentage have actually already had a birth experience. Uh, um, I'm an admissions tutor as well, so I do get some of these statistics through. Um, 
it's kind of a third of midwives are mature students, but then it doesn't then break them down into whether or not they're mothers. And the majority of students that come onto the programme are straight from school. Yeah. Um, I don't know, it's probably about 10 to 20% maybe mm. are mothers. It's it used quite, to be a lot more. Yeah, quite striking. We did it. We did a... Uh, one of these maternity midwifery hours with uh, uh, the, the head midwife from the main hospital in Kampala. And it was quite clear that she was teaching a group of uh, midwives up to the, uh, the kind of standards we would expect. But they were surrounded by the experience of childbirth. And in fact, in the, in, in the duration of the course, the whole number of them had babies during the course. And, you know, this was an absolutely integral part of it. And it's quite interesting what you say about it. Um, I, think so. I think the reason that um, there's so fewer uh, midwives coming onto the course and I've had children is they can't afford. Yeah. They can't afford to give up a career. They can't afford the fees. You know, we used to get our fees paid. We had bursaries. So you would encourage some really good experience to come onto the course, courses. Um, but yeah, that's it's all gone now. So you probably have the same experience, Carla. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's it's made it has made such a huge difference, hasn't it? Yeah, definitely. So Rihanna says, as a student, I've been made to feel like such a problem. It isn't always posi positive. There's mostly comments rather than uh, questions. Mm. Claire says, in the current climate, I feel for midwives teaching students. I know it's necessary to mentor to improve staffing levels. However, they are under so much pressure already. Yeah. Carla, do you think that contributes to some, perhaps a 100%. sense of, you know, of, of neglect or, or, the, or the way that some students, two students can have a completely different experience of the same mentor, whether they're yeah. a good day or a bad day. Absolutely. I think practice supervisors now and practice assessors are under so much pressure. Um, and I think that the challenges of staffing levels and, you know, I heard a quote today and I, I'm not entirely sure where it came from, but something like, you know, we're training 30 for, for, for one to stay, something shocking like that and actually we've got to try and turn that around because unless we get more students through the door and we get more students to the end with the ability to have we have a self-care thread that runs through our program and so the aim is is by the time that they are at graduation that they're able to have those skills to recognize their own self-care because until we get to that point, we are not going to turn around the problem that we've got of the lack of student of, of midwives. But the problem is, is we can't put more student midwives in until there's more midwives. So it's a bit like a chicken and egg at the moment. And it's quite a challenging placement to get that capacity up. And we're trying different things to get that capacity up and to, to support trusts to take more student midwives. But I think the midwives are such under pressure at the moment. And I don't think... I genuinely don't think there's any midwife that is out there in practice that goes out to make life difficult for a student. I would I would hope not. Um, I really don't. I, I think it's the pressure. I think it's exhaustion. And I think that because there are so many students at the moment that sometimes actually you just would quite like to not have a student. I get that. I remember that feeling of, you know actually I'd like to help facilitate my own birth I don't you know but we don't have we have to be able to support students at the moment and we have to be able to turn that around because we, we we're, we're not going to get any better unless we start getting more students supported. Uh, Carla Maria asks um, how beneficial do you think it is that students might have multiple supervisors in other words sort of hedging against a bad experience or is that just yeah impractical? So, so obviously the triple SA standards now are that actually a, a student doesn't necessarily have to have that one-to-one -one mental relationship like we used to have. And actually, I think there are benefits to having multiple supervisors because you're able to say, well, actually, do you know what? I really liked what Sarah did. I'm going to take what Sarah does, but I didn't like what Carla did. I don't like that bit. I'm going to just take Sarah's bit. But I did like the other bit that Carla did. And actually take bits and pieces from different midwives to create the midwife that you want to be. We don't want mini Carlas. We don't want mini Sarahs. We want to be able to create midwives who are their own midwives. And they've developed their own sense of who they want to be and their philosophy based on working with lots of different people. And I appreciate there are some challenges with that in terms of continuity and in terms of the challenges that we still have 
um, with practice assessors and that assessment aspect of it. Um, but I think eventually once we we're far more used to that way of working, I think there are benefits to having multiple multiple uh, supervisors, definitely. Uh, Barbara McDonald says, really informative, interesting research from both of you. Thank you so much. But Lisa J says, I'm a student midwife at the Trust. I'm also a midwifery support worker. Sarah, what kind of difference do you think it's going to make? Uh, because I know Trusts and others are looking at people coming through other routes and uh, the degree apprenticeship route um, is beginning to come up so that, you know, people have had some experience of the cl clinical environment. Have you, have you uh, any reflections on that, Sarah? I mean, I think definitely there's a place for um, that because it's like, when, you know, that used to happen years ago, didn't it? We'd take people out of clinical practice and we'd sponsor them to go to university and they get a diploma or a degree or whatever they wanted to do and come back as a midwife. And, you know, that that grounding, that level of experience is, is invaluable. We've got another question here. Um, uh, Jessica, who says, I think the void between theory and placement is less about unknown situations but instead that we know how birth works compared to how it actually facilitated in hospitals is that a common complaint that uh, uh, once they're actually into the units and things it's slightly out of their control um, it's, in, it's more that they just don't expect they don't expect to see that level of complexity they don't expect to see the number of inductions that they see the number of cesarean sections that they see the number of epidurals number of ctgs number of women giving birth on their back you know it's just they don't anticipate the degree of the where the medicalization of childbirth has come and how far away we've moved from that physiological model okay now we've got yeah. a, now we've got a jane marshall here so you know <laughs> you just call it <laughs> says it's uh, it's not an entry requirement for students to have experienced birth themselves uh, to be kind compassionate and caring midwives uh, sometimes their own birth experiences can get in the way of their own learning and I think that's the point you're making Sarah about how they dissociate and it's the, for this reason exploring these at the start uh, can help Another, I mean in plain terms language it's how you maintain your professionalism in the face of perhaps your own experiences. So who would like to just answer Jane's uh, comment there? Go on, Carla, you first. Uh, hi, Jane. <laughs> so um, I think I think it is important. I mean, over the years when I was working clinically, I can see several students that actually we had to have conversations with, quite difficult conversations with, because actually every other interaction with somebody was about their experience it always kind of came back to them and and I think if if women want to know what your experience was and you feel happy and it's appropriate at that appropriate time to share that then then there can sometimes be some some strength in that for both mom and for the student but it shouldn't be a given that that happens and I do think that there is I mean certainly you know we've literally just had one cohort but it's it, that from previous experience I do know that it absolutely can make a huge impact on their on their learning um their, their previous experiences and I think that your recommendation of debriefing at the beginning of the program or at regular points is just really valuable um a question here from uh, Catherine uh Sarah what do the restorative sessions with the PMAs involve you want to describe that uh, I'm not a PMA, so I can't describe it in detail, but they're, they're basically there at the minute for midwives within the trust. And um, they go to them if they've had a bad experience or they were involved in uh, some care that they either weren't happy with or it might have gone wrong. And it's, it's like a debriefing counselling service, basically. Now, you also mentioned that you, you, were, um, you were trying to build in common sessions, uh, you know, get-togethers, every week perhaps to do some sharing um does that ever involve people admitting that for whether say they were a mentor that they've you know they lost the plot on monday and they've been regretting it ever since or a student saying that the fear overwhelmed them or that they felt belittled uh is that i mean this this wouldn't be peculiar that has to be said to talking about student education i think I mean, there's, there's plenty of evidence around the issues of culture in 
some units and things. But just talk a little bit more, Sarah, about you were saying those kind of sessions that you're trying to build up for people to share and exchange and see if that diffuses things. Yeah, what we found is that when we went out to see the students, we kind of go out on their midpoint and they would have been silent for the first three weeks and you go and see them in clinical practice and all these emotions have come out, all this experience had come out. And, it, you know, we say, well, why have you not told us? And I think they think they just separate sometimes their theory and their practice, don't they? And um, it was on feedback from the students, actually, from our first year students that said that when they went out on placement, they just felt a bit lost for the six weeks that they were out there. So their cohort lead at the time, my colleague, and decided to do this meet at midday, which we ran every Wednesday. And we actually ran it through the summer as well, even though our students weren't here, because some of them were still picking up placements that they were missing out on. And we just wanted to make sure that they had a time once a week where they could come in and they could speak to somebody. And it could be a private in a separate room, or it could be as part of a, a group just, just to catch up with their peers and, and with us, really. And they really value it. We had a question about, um, you mentioned how, you know, the proportion that come in as mature students or perhaps had had a career before. And we had a question which I've lost in the long list here. But, but is there a particular issue, particularly if somebody is mature, has perhaps had a, a career where they've been in control um, and that actually they can find some of their experiences in hierarchical profession or in midwifery in particular very challenging? Is that something that either of you have seen addressed? For instance, if you had a mature student, you know, mentored by somebody either their own age or even younger than them. Uh, Sarah first. Um, I'm not sure of experience as, as an educator. When I used to work in clinical practice, I used to uh, mentor at the time because that's what it was. A lot of students that were older than me and I never had a problem with, with any of them. Carla? Yeah, I think there's been the odd occasion, not, not very often to be honest, but there's been the odd occasion perhaps where we've had students that have had come from careers. I, I, one I can think of off the top of my head was um, uh, from law background, um, you know, that, that just had to kind of adjust, take, take that hat off almost and take off that professional hat and learn a new professional hat and kind of I think sometimes the, the maturity the mature students that come through uh into into midwifery have got so much to give absolutely so much to give but they have to sometimes unpick what they've previously done to get to this point and I think some of them do it far easier than than others um and some need support with it but I don't think that's a bad thing I think that's that's insight that shows that they need that that support so I don't think that's a bad thing okay well you won't believe it but we've uh, come to the end of the hour already it always races past as uh, Sue McDonald says um I've got a final comment thank you this is from Mel thank you both for sharing your research passionately and both very interesting and lots of things transferable uh, to other healthcare disciplines um so I think that's uh, quite good and uh, Jane Marshall's given you both a, a, a shout out that she's <laughs> pleased to see that you're still working hard or uh, it was nice anyway, but I've lost it in the email trail. Um, so can I uh, thank you both for what I find a particularly fascinating presentations that uh, connect with a lot that we are increasingly hearing about the challenges inside maternity and midwifery services and we'll hear a lot more but also just the scale of the challenge that individual midwifery students face mm. uh, and the huge mountains that they have to climb in terms of personal experience and how we can rope them up and help them and support them and mentor them. Uh, so thank you very uh, much, both of you. Um, all thank of you. this will then be available uh, on Friday in a podcast and next week it will all be out on the maternity midwifery uh, newsletter. Uh, there are uh, some of the references that Sarah and Carla have made. You'll be able to find them in the attachments that go uh, with all this. And uh, other than that, we will be back next week, hopefully with uh, Sue and Jenny fit and well. Um, there are still some questions coming through, so we'll pass them through on social media and people can connect up afterwards. But on behalf of everybody here and me on my first dry run as the presenter of all of this, thanks to Carla and thanks to Sarah. And uh, 
We'll see you next week on the Maternity and Midwifery Hour. Thank you for joining us for the Maternity and Midwifery Hour. This podcast has been made possible by the team at Maternity and Midwifery Forum and our CPD partners, Matflix. You can sign up at matflix.co.uk. This episode was edited and produced by Catherine Stewart of the Narrowcast Media Group.